To prepare for this afternoon's sermon, let's now read the text together. The text is Matthew 15, the verses 21 to 28. Now, in our Old Testament reading, you'll notice that the prophet Elijah was sent to the land of Sidon, to a widow of Zarephath. And in Matthew chapter 15, we see the Lord Jesus going to the same place. And we've also now read from the context from the first part of Matthew chapter 15. So we'll now pick up our text at verse 21. And Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she is crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. Thus far, our text. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, do you have a household pet? Some of you may have dogs, some of you may have cats, some of you may have birds or any other manner of animal. And you probably love your pets, don't you? Well, have you heard of the term cat mom or dog mom? Or perhaps fur babies? In our culture, many people grow so attached to their pets that they consider them almost as a child. To some degree, we can perhaps understand that. We spend a lot of time with our pets, and sometimes we spend a lot of money on them. But at the end of the day, our love for our pets is is not like our love for our real human children. And this becomes clear when we picture a typical Sunday dinner table. If a family is seated for dinner, there are places set for everyone. It's Maclick, bon appetit. And if it's a large family, you'd, you'd better get that food while it lasts. That Sunday roast will melt in everyone else's mouths but your own if you spend too much time on the mashed potatoes. Oh, but, but what's this brushing your leg under the table? The dog. The dog is, is looking up at you expectantly. He smells that roast probably better than you do, but you don't give him any. Food is for the family. Afterwards, he might get the bone from the roast or lick up the spilled mashed potatoes, but you certainly don't set him a place at the table. He's a dog. Even a dog mom would recognize that her love for her real children is is simply in a different category than her love for a dog. And in our text this afternoon, our Lord Jesus paints a similar picture. 
In this scene, the Canaanite woman is a dog who is asking to eat the children's bread, the good news of grace offered first to the people of Israel. And she doesn't deserve it. In fact, nobody, not us, not even the Israelites, deserve to receive this bread. By nature, we're unclean. We're dead in our sins. But in our text this afternoon, we'll see that God gives grace to the undeserving. We'll see that he gave this grace first to the Israelites. And we'll also see that according to his plan, this grace overflows to the Gentiles. And we'll see that the gospel, while while freely extended to all who hear it, only truly feeds those who receive it in true faith. And that brings us to our theme for this afternoon's sermon. In the household of faith, the Lord graciously gives the children's bread to a dog. We'll see two things. First, the bread is offered first to the children and then to the dog. And second, the bread is received only by true faith. So first, the bread is offered first to the children and then to the dog. Now, at the beginning of this chapter, Matthew 15, Jesus was on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. And the Pharisees and scribes have a problem with Jesus and his disciples. And they've come all the way from Jerusalem to ask, Why do your disciples break the traditions of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat. Now, they're asking a question about remaining ceremonially clean. In the law, we know that God had given his people commands about holiness, which included how they were to keep themselves from becoming ceremonially unclean. But this hand-washing is not one of those commands. So the Lord Jesus points out that the Pharisees and scribes were speaking of traditions, not God-given commandments. Then in verse 10, Jesus calls the people to him and teaches them about what it really means to be unclean. He says, It is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth. What comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. So it is sad that God's people, who were set apart to be holy, did not understand what it meant to be truly clean. And then our text begins in verse 21. And Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. Now the land of Sidon was a land of idolatry and unholiness. Children, do you remember the wicked queen Jezebel, the wife of King Ahab? She was the daughter of the king of the Sidonians, and she was fiercely opposed to the ways of the Lord. She even persecuted and tried to murder the prophets. And Jezebel wasn't the only bad Sidonian influence on Israel either. King Solomon had loved a Sidonian woman, and he went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians. So when Jesus now went to the district of Tyre and Sidon, He walked into the heart of pagan territory, into the heart of an unclean people who had drawn Israel away from the Lord to worship idols. And whom does he meet there? Verse 22, And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region 
came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. We might think at this point, we've seen enough of Canaanite women in the Bible. After all, what would the Son of God have to do with an unclean woman from an unclean people who had led the Lord's people away from him in the first place? It was not a question of whether or not Jesus could cast out this demon. Earlier in in Matthew chapter 8, Jesus had cast out the spirits with a word from those who were oppressed by demons. In a sense, one word here is all it would take. But Jesus did not answer her a word. And his disciples are a bit put out by this woman. She keeps crying out. She's being a nuisance and perhaps drawing a lot of unwanted attention in a foreign land. So they come to Jesus and beg him to send her away. And from the way that Jesus replies, it seems that the disciples were asking, please just heal her daughter so she'll leave us alone. And then for the first time in our passage, Jesus speaks. He says, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Here he doesn't speak to the Canaanite woman, but to the disciples. This is a lesson for them. and It's one that they've heard before. Earlier in chapter 10, Jesus had sent out these 12 disciples to preach and to perform miracles. He told them at that point, go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now, to our ears, these words might seem a little unfair. Why would Jesus only help the lost sheep of the house of Israel when everyone else needed the the good news of grace too? Everyone else had problems. Well, brothers and sisters, at this point, we must step back and consider this question in the light of all of the scriptures. Because in the first place, God didn't have to save anyone, not even the Israelites. But he had chosen Abraham and his descendants to be his very own people. In Genesis 12, a well-known chapter, the Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. Now from the rest of scriptures, the rest of the story since then, we know that the Lord had made Israel a great nation, and he had blessed them. He brought them out of the land of Egypt. He he gave to them his law. He brought them into the promised land, and he gave them prophets. And now, in in this next step of God's salvation, he sent the Messiah to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. The Lord Jesus is the son of David, the heir to his throne. David was the shepherd who became a king, and the Lord Jesus is the king who also serves as the good shepherd, sent to the lost sheep. And Jesus ministered mostly in the land of Israel. He taught in their synagogues, taught them in parables, and performed miracles among them. Well, if this this were where the story of grace ends, we might expect this passage to stop here. But the story keeps going. The Canaanite woman comes and kneels before Jesus. And for the first time, 
Jesus speaks to her. He says, it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Now, to our ears, this this might sound a little harsh, doesn't it? But Jesus is teaching the same lesson to this Canaanite woman that he had just taught to his disciples. Bread was a staple of life in ancient times. The basic food that, that many people ate every day. But the bread that Jesus speaks about here is not literal, but spiritual. Just as God provides our literal daily bread, so he provides his children with spiritual, life-giving bread each day. The grace of the gospel. And in God's plan, the, the children of the people of Israel were given this bread first. So it is not right, as Jesus says, to give what they need to the dogs. But the Canaanite woman, she sees some hope in this metaphor. Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Surely, she thinks, there's some scraps of blessing and mercy left over. And she's right to have hope. If we take a step back and look at the way that God has worked among his people over time, we see that crumbs had always been falling from this table. When, When God promised to make Abraham's descendants a great nation, he also said, in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So these crumbs of mercy were part of God's plan from the very beginning. In our reading from 1 Kings chapter 17, we find one example of these crumbs. The Lord sent his prophet Elijah to a widow of Zarephath in Sidon. Now again, these were the days of King Ahab and his Sidonian wife, Jezebel. Yet God sent Elijah to Sidon. And God, we read about, worked a a miracle for the widow. Neither the jar of flour nor the jug of oil became empty. She had, we could say, each day her daily bread. And then when her son died, Elijah raised him from the dead. Now, eventually the Lord did send Elijah back to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But he had provided in the meantime this Canaanite woman with crumbs of mercy. The Lord chose this woman to receive blessings through the prophet Elijah. In fact, if we know our Bibles well and think forward to Luke 4, the Lord Jesus refers to this same event with Elijah and this woman when he teaches in Nazareth, when he was not acceptable in his hometown. He says in that chapter, There were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah, and Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon to a woman who was a widow. With this example, the Lord Jesus teaches that salvation was not just for the Jews, but also the Gentiles. Many Jews would reject it, but when it was offered, many Gentiles would welcome it. And after reflecting on Elijah in the Old Testament, we might ask now, how does God advance this cause of salvation and extend the blessings of grace to the Gentiles in the ministry of the Lord Jesus? Well, at at this specific juncture of God's plan, Jesus was calling the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But even during this stage, his ministry brought so many crumbs to the Gentiles. 
Because like Elijah, the Lord Jesus took some time to spend in Sidon. And after the Canaanite woman shows her faith, Jesus does grant a request. Her daughter is healed. Then, right after this, which we didn't read, Jesus goes to an area known as the Decapolis that was inhabited by mostly Gentiles. Great crowds came to him there, and Jesus healed many who were disabled. And they, in verse 31, it says, the crowds glorified the God of Israel. But then it gets even better. Because after Jesus rises from the dead, God completely opens the door of his covenant of grace to the Gentiles. In Matthew 28, at the end of this same gospel, Jesus gives the 11 disciples a new commission. He says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and in the name of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. So this bread was given first to the children, but it was then given to the dogs. As Paul says, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. We we see the seeds of this in Jesus' ministry to this Canaanite woman. And the seed comes into full flower when our Lord shed his blood on the cross to reconcile all believers to God. In his letter to the Gentile Ephesians, Paul writes... Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you once who were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So, brothers and sisters, the story of the Canaanite woman shows to us the wonders of God's plan of salvation. The lost sheep of the house of Israel, they didn't deserve his grace. They were lost, after all. And the Canaanite woman, she doesn't deserve his mercy either. We might have been asking ourselves, why does Jesus not answer this woman? Why does he seem so harsh to her? But we should really ask, why should Jesus answer this woman? And even closer to home, why would Jesus answer us? Most of us, are, perhaps all of us, are not physical descendants of Abraham. If we go far back enough, most of our ancestors were no better than the people of Tyre and Sidon, worshipping false gods. And if we look deep enough, we're no better than the people of Tyre and Sidon either. Our old nature is as unclean as a Canaanite woman. Jezebel looks pretty bad, but what about you, apart from grace? We're all tempted to worship false gods and idols. The idols of self, possessions, power, status, and so on. And we do fall prey to this kind of sin, don't we? We don't need to look beyond our own sins for proof of total depravity. But, but God sent Elijah to the widow at Zarephath. Jesus does answer the Canaanite woman. And God speaks his word to you, brothers and sisters, today. By his grace, God has brought the Gentiles into his covenant. He has made the unclean to be clean. He has given the bread of the gospel to dogs. Or or maybe 
It's not so much that he has given the bread to dogs, but that he has transformed us from dogs into children. We've been given a place at his table. We've been brought near by the blood of Christ. Well, how do we respond to this good news of grace? Earlier in the chapter, we saw the example of the Pharisees. And Jesus had said, they are blind guides. And if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. The Pharisees were, of course, supposed to be the ones who sat at the table, the children to whom the bread was given. But they don't want to be fed by the words of Jesus. They don't eat the bread that they've been given. So we're left with the question, how do we receive the good news of grace? How do we eat of this bread? And that brings us to our second point, where we'll consider that the bread is received only by true faith. Now the Canaanite woman, she holds out hope for crumbs. And crumbs are enough for her. She humbly and persistently pursues that hope, showing great faith. And in in this point, we'll, we'll walk through the text once more, a bit more quickly, learning from the great faith of this Canaanite woman. Because her example shows us also how to walk with great faith, how to properly respond to the good news of grace. At the beginning of our passage, this Canaanite woman is deeply distressed. Her daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. We're not told how long this has been the case, but we can step into her shoes for a moment. In the district of Tyre and Sidon, a land of idolatry, there's no power that can drive out a demon. And the bond between mother and daughter is, is very strong. She loves her daughter, but she's helpless and she knows it. In Mark's account of this event, he writes that Jesus entered a house and did not want anyone to know, yet could not be hidden. Immediately, he says, a woman heard of him and came and fell down at his feet. Now, it's a bit surprising, perhaps, that news about Jesus is going out even in this Gentile land. It's understandable that he would draw crowds in Israel where he was teaching and performing miracles. But what did these Gentiles know of him? Well, the Canaanite woman knew enough. In the first place, she knows her need, and she knows that she doesn't deserve help. She doesn't approach Jesus saying, Quick, I have this problem. Can you get rid of it for me? No. She was crying out, Have mercy on me, O Lord, Son of David. There's no reason he should help her, an unclean Gentile from a nation of idolatry, And she doesn't presume upon his help, but she has hope. The Canaanite woman also knew who Jesus was. She calls him Lord, Son of David. Now elsewhere in the Gospels, the ones who call Jesus Lord are often those who come to him with special requests. They respect and believe that he has authority and power to help them. She also calls him son of David. And if we consider this, it's remarkable. In the Gospel of Matthew, the title son of David has a special significance. 
It's used to refer to the Messiah, the one whom God would send to, to, send self, to bring salvation to his people. We can consider that when Jesus rides into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, the crowds were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David. Later, Jesus asks the Pharisees, What do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? They said to him, The son of David. It's one thing for the Canaanite woman to know who David was, an Israelite king. It's another for her to know about the Jewish Messiah. But it's still another for her to believe that the Lord Jesus was this Messiah. This woman had not only heard reports about Jesus, but she believed what she had heard. And if you know about Jesus, even the basics of the gospel, you can see that he's your only hope. The Jews had studied the Old Testament. They had heard Jesus' teaching, saw his miracles. They knew about Jesus, but they did not believe that he was the Messiah. This Canaanite woman was no scribe or Pharisee, but she heard about Jesus and she believed that he was the Messiah. She clung to this hope, this belief, like a lifeline. But Jesus did not answer. If we were the Canaanite woman, following a Jewish rabbi surrounded by his 12 male disciples, this might be a bit embarrassing. What a fool we're making of ourselves. Or perhaps if we're being ignored, we might get angry. I'm a human, aren't I? Don't I deserve a response? But she came and knelt before him saying, Lord, help me. Her most basic confession, her most basic request, is that she is helpless, but that Jesus is Lord and that he can help. She's been crying out, and maybe she's at her wit's end. Lord, help me. Jesus answers, It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Now, in the first point, we we saw how Jesus' words and actions in this story, they do point to grace and good news for the Gentiles. But if you were a Canaanite woman, you might not see that here. You might be broken and feeling even worse. Perhaps you might get angry. I'm a human, aren't I? Don't I deserve your help? But she says, Yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Incredible. She humbly says, Yes, Lord. You're right, I'm a dog, and it is not right for me to eat of the children's bread. But even here, she sees hope. She knows that Jesus is her only hope, and so she doesn't, she can't leave. She is humble, and she is also persistent. And Jesus answers, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed Instantly. This is the moment that this passage has been building towards. With everything she has said and done, this Canaanite woman has been showing her true faith. And Jesus proves that she's been right to place her faith in him. Although he has never met her daughter, he doesn't go with the woman to find her. 
The woman's request is granted. Her daughter was healed instantly. The woman was absolutely right to place her faith in Jesus. Brothers and sisters, have you ever spoken the words of the Canaanite woman? Have you knelt before God helpless and asked, Lord, help me? Does it feel that as though God is not helping you? You've been crying out to Him with real problems that really hurt you, and it feels like God is not answering you a word. Well, our text this afternoon proves that God hears, and He does answer you. He speaks to you, He answers you in His word this afternoon. Our greatest need is His grace, and that's exactly what He's given so freely to us. The Lord may not immediately remove your pressing problem, but He does. He already has removed your greatest problem, your uncleanness, your sin. And whether it be now, in the next few months, or when He returns, He will. He has power to heal every affliction and wash away every sorrow. So let us learn from the faith of this Canaanite woman. It's difficult. It's difficult to accept the words of Jesus, to hear that we are like unclean dogs, undeserving of help. But grace is so much sweeter when we know the depths of sin and utter helplessness that we've been saved from. So in humility, with patience, with perseverance, cry out to God for the bread that He provides. The Canaanite woman was patient and that was probably painful. She didn't receive an answer at first and then when the the answer that Jesus did give her, it probably wasn't what she wanted to hear. But in the end, the Lord did reward her faith. Child of God, the Lord also knows your faith. He sees your grief, your needs, and He answers in His perfect provision in His perfect timing, by His perfect power, with His perfect grace. And the Lord Jesus told this woman, Great is your faith. How amazing would it be to hear our Savior say those very words to us. Especially when we consider that we are not the source of our faith. Part of God's grace is that He sows every stitch of our faith in our hearts start to finish. So let that encourage you as you seek His grace, the bread that He provides with humility and perseverance. Brothers and sisters, guests who may be among us, do you desire crumbs of mercy, the bread of the gospel? Eat freely by faith. If you've been eating for a while, eat some more. Be nourished at the table alongside God's other children. If you've never eaten before, if you don't know the Lord Jesus as your Savior, humble yourselves, know your helplessness, and cry out to the God of grace for grace. Because the Lord will sustain and feed all who seek Him in true faith. There's always one more place at the table. Congregation, let's close by returning for a moment to the dinner table to the Sunday roast and those mashed potatoes. Even a dog mom should admit that there's a difference between her dog and her real human child. 
There is no place set for a dog at a family dinner table. But in our text this afternoon, we've seen that the Lord Jesus does feed the Canaanite woman. It's not as though he sets a place for a dog at the children's table. But in God's wonderful plan, he has done something unimaginable. He has transformed unclean dogs into his holy human children. He accepts them into the household of faith. He sets them a place at his very own table. And this table is richly prepared. There's always food enough for everyone. You don't have to watch carefully to make sure you get your share of the Sunday roast. There's grace enough. But in order to get your share, you must eat with true faith. So let us recognize our own undeserving place at this table and let us come to that table with faith. In faith, you can be sure, brother and sister, that God will provide you with not only crumbs, but with the full grace that He so freely gives to His children. Amen.